Praise God. Anybody enjoying this nice, cool weather after all? Oh, man, I don't know about you, but I was... I didn't want to go back to Cleveland, but man, that was getting 95, 100 degrees every day. It was getting a little old. So um, anyhow, um, I'm going to uh, get right into it because I've got uh, a few things I want to say, and I, I don't want to um, not, not get to it all, and I, I think it's important. So um, let, me, let me start by explaining something that um, um, Wednesday night, I began a new class, as he said, on the supernatural power of a transformed mind. Uh, it's a book Bill Johnson wrote a few years ago. Um, the, uh, so to those who were in my class last Wednesday night, I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm going to repeat some of what I said. But uh, there's, uh, what I talked about was, was so much more than what's included in the book. I think I could have written that book. Bill Johnson and I have similar paths to where we've come um, you know, in life and in the ministry, and and uh, so, uh, and we think a lot about about the same way too. So, um, anyway, I'm I'm going to help you put some practical application to something. Um, years ago, when I first got into the charismatic movement, we uh, we had a little group uh, that we met with called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. Anybody ever heard of it? Okay, a few of you old people. Okay. Um, <laughs> And it was a, a movement started by a man by the name of Dima Shakarian from California, and he and Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts started it. And it was a, it was a place, the idea was to uh, uh, share the full gospel message that the book of Acts and the New Testament are still, what happened then is still happening today. And uh, they started as, a, as, as for businessmen, they started at a luncheon. You could invite your friends to a kind of a neutral setting in a restaurant and hear a speaker share, uh, you know, maybe another businessman or, or somebody from the community share about the testimony of what God has done in their life. And they would pray for people. And, and uh, this was a way that God used to to really uh, infiltrate the, the mainline churches, uh, uh, Methodists and Lutherans and Episcopalians and Presbyterians and you name it, uh, Methodists were being filled in these meetings with the Holy Spirit. I was in a meeting one night many years ago uh, and they asked me to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've only been saved for a couple years and just received myself. And, and they said, you can do it. I said, well, I've never done that before. I said, it's, it's not you that's the baptizer, it's Jesus. So just get up there and pray. Okay, okay, okay. So I, I literally was in a bank. We were meeting at, uh, there was a, uh, a banquet center that uh, in the area that seated over 1,500 people and we were using that banquet center, and it was Rex Humbard's Cathedral of Tomorrow. Anybody ever heard of Rex Humbard? Okay. Well, we were at his Cathedral of Tomorrow, and he had this big, uh, big room. And, and anyway, we had over 1,000 people there every, the first Saturday of every month. And uh, we would have people. We had Benny Hinn in before he was Benny Hinn. Um, you know, back in, the, back in the early 70s, before he had a, had a reputation even. But um, uh, so we had some tremendous speakers. Anyway, I went into an ante room, and there were 400 people in there to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I stood on a table, and all 400 people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues as evidence that night. And it was just the, the power of God. We have a young lady here who just received the baptism this week. Hallelujah. We're excited for you, Abby. And praise the Lord. And um, but um, so... 
But, but that's, that, that infiltration went through every denomination, and it was called the charismatic renewal, and it was just a, a move of God. And, um, you know, it, it was just a, a different thing. And uh, one of the things I learned in that, one of the first things I heard was a, a man by the name of Joe Fran, who was a pastor, Assembly God pastor, who had worked with a man by the name of A.A. A. Allen. Anybody ever heard of him? Okay. Well, Joe would come to our house all the time and teach us. We were like sponges. We just wanted to learn. And um, anyway, he said, you know, the biggest problem in the church today is stinking thinking. Say that with me. Stinking thinking. And I, can I tell you today, most of us have some stinking thinking. And um, so I want to I talk a little about that. And... Um, uh, my, initial, my initial introduction to the charismatic and Pentecostal world was at, uh, uh, at Connie's church, and um, it was Assembly of God Church, and, and it, it, by our standards today, it wasn't that exciting, but it sure was strange to me. And uh, they had drums, holy moly, drums in a church, and uh, they had uh, uh, trumpet and all kinds of instruments and singers, and they still sang hymns for the most part and some choruses. And then some lady in a bun behind me spoke in tongues, a language I never heard before. And then some guy over there said something along the way, and it was rather, it was pretty, it was pretty strange to me. And, um, you know, I sensed maybe God was there, but it sure was different. And, um, you know, uh, as I came along in, in this movement, uh, when, when Connie came back to the Lord, and then eventually I got saved, and we started hanging out with these crazy charismatics, and uh, uh, I got filled with the Holy Spirit myself, and, and uh, it was, uh, I began to read the Gospels in a different manner, and I began to read the book of Acts, and, and I began to read the history of the Pentecostal movement and the, and the church as a whole, and I, I heard about these 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 men and, and women of God like Catherine Kuhlman and Oral Roberts and Smith Wigglesworth and, and uh, you know, uh, Catherine Kuhlman. You go on down the line, all these people of God, Maria Woodworth Eder and, and just the amazing miracles and the things that, and, and, and Stephen Jeffries and all the amazing miracles that happened in the church, the signs and wonders. And, and the more I read the book of Acts, the more convinced I was that the pattern for the church was the book of Acts. What a concept. I mean, think about that. The pattern for the New Testament church is found in the book of Acts. Now, there's a revelation, okay? You don't understand what that means, but it, it, that, that's a... That, <laughs> name me one church that does the pattern of the book of Acts in the church today. And, um, you know, I was convinced that the way they did church was miracles, signs and wonders, healings, exuberant worship... And, and uh, you know, when we got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, we couldn't find any churches around like that, even AG churches and Church of Gods. They just, they just weren't like that. And uh, so we had a great idea. We started our own church. <laughs> Didn't know what I was doing, still don't, some 35 years, 40 years later, um, but I'm trying. And um, fast forward um, to God called me into the ministry in my 30s and... and uh, into the 80s, and then eventually we went up, started an Assemblies of God church in the Cleveland, Ohio metro area. And I said all of that, to, and, and compressed that for the sake of time, that my thinking regarding God, regarding what the Word of God actually says, regarding the understanding of the supernatural and the miraculous, styles of worship 
my thinking had to change, not just to process it, because, I mean, how do you process when you've, been, when you've been in a church for, you know, I went to church. I was raised in the Methodist church. I wouldn't say I was a Christian per se, but I was raised in the church. But, you know, the, 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 the guy wore robes, and he had that stole on his thing, you know, and, and it was very quiet. You know, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And we did. You know, and, and uh, there was no clapping of hands or raising hands or shouting or dancing or jumping around or, you know, um, any of that. And so just to process uh, a charismatic or Pentecostal church service took a lot of work. But to participate in it and lead it, you can't imagine how much my thinking had to change. And so I, I want to put up a verse to you. And this is the, this is the foundation verse for everything I'm going to say this morning, and it's this one, Romans 12, 2. Be not, we've heard about this, I've talked about it, but, but I see it from a different way, and it's not just from what Bill Johnson says, but I, I want to give you some practical application of this today. So don't be, don't be conformed, and I'm going to use the King James just because I've memorized it, and you know, I'll, I'll paraphrase it for you, but don't be conformed to this world, but ba- rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind and so that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I told the class the other night, I said somebody actually argued with me one day that there were three wills of God. There's the good, there's the acceptable, and there's the perfect. And that's not true. There's one will of God, and it's good, and it's perfect, and it's acceptable. Okay? So, but that had to happen to me because I had stinking thinking. I've been raised in a universe where none of this stuff happened. Okay? And this is the problem. And, one of the, and this, is, this is really the problem where we, we, we've come as a church today. And I've had this argument in the church among elders and, and, and leaders in the church on how do we do church. Because I can tell you that the way we do church in here is not the way most people do church. Nobody spends 45 minutes every Sunday in worship. Go, go find another church that does that. There, I mean, I know there are some. We're not the only one. I don't be like Elijah. We're the only one. No, we're not. Okay. But, but I don't know. I love, don't you love to worship? I mean, wasn't the presence of God in here awesome this morning? I mean, you know, where would you rather go? What would you rather do? So we took a little bit longer. Well, people, you know, and I know some of you vote with your feet because I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, you know, that you get here 25 minutes after we start because you don't want to worship for 45 minutes. That's fine, whatever. But, and then we got to do all the other stuff and then this guy gets up here and talks and usually we didn't do it this morning, but we pray for the sick, we anoint with oil, uh, we have prophetic words, we have tongues and interpretations. It, it varies, you know. Um, but, you know, that idea of doing church is not the idea that the, that the world and even the religious world has said that's how you do church. You don't do church like that. You do church for 50 minutes. You do two or three songs. You do your little announcements. You do maybe some video thing, uh, whether you do a video announcements, and then you speak for 15, 20 minutes, and then you say, good to see you, God bless you, and we'll see you next week. And that's the process. And it must work because they have thousands and thousands of people going to their churches. 
And ours has got a few empty pews. So, you know, maybe they're right. I don't know. But, well, I do know, but never mind. <laughs> but as I evolved in, in this, my understanding, as I was transformed, my, my understanding of the gospel was, is that here was my problem. I believed in the supernatural. I had seen miracles in, in, the, in the full gospel business. We prayed for the sick. People got healed. Some people didn't. I prayed for the sick, and not much happened. But I'd read about the Oral Roberts and Catherine Kuhlman, and, and, I, and, and, I, and I, <laughs> I, I, I heard the voice of God for myself, and, and I saw some fruit when I prayed, but I wasn't experiencing what those people did, and very few have. I had faith in God. I believed his word, but something still wasn't quite, quite right. And, and as I read the book of Acts especially, I saw a pattern evolve there. There were always three components at work. If you go through the first 16 to 19 chapters of the book of Acts, you will see three things in particular. There's always three components. You will always see a supernatural sign or a healing or a miracle. You will always see the preaching of the word, and you will always see people get saved. Sometimes the miracle takes place first, and then people would say, oh, you know why this person got healed or that person was raised from the dead? Jesus Christ. And they would tell them about Jesus, and people would get saved. Sometimes they would tell them about Jesus first, and he's been resurrected from the dead. Then they would pray for the sick, and people would get well, or something else would happen, like somebody would be raised from the dead, and then they, people would get saved. But there's always those three components within you know, within the book of Acts as you, as you go through it. But I was told and we were taught that all that stopped with the early church when the, first, when the first disciples died or when the first century, when the Bible was finally written, okay, then we didn't need signs, wonders, miracles, prophecies, tongues, all that stuff of the gifts of the Spirit anymore. Okay? And, um, but you know what? I saw in the book of Acts that sometimes... When they just spoke, Paul spoke one time in Athens and to a bunch of people, and he didn't have any supernatural signs, and only a, only a couple people got saved. And, and I know people are getting saved today without the supernatural, but um, see, we have bought into a lie that says there's no necessity for somebody to speak in tongues in your church on Sunday morning. There's no necessity to pray in tongues. There's no necessity, you know, God can heal, but we don't know if it's will to heal. And, and we really have pushed the supernatural aspect of God out of the church in order to do church the way I talked about earlier. Well, people, that will scare people. It's spooky. It's weird, you know. And um, um, we have exalted our minds and, the, and reason and logic above the word of God. Can I tell you something to see here? Here's a secret. God is supernatural. Don't tell anybody. And most of the church doesn't. The supernatural became the realm of the uneducated, the superstitious, and the, the assemblies of God in the Pentecostal movement frankly, started out on the other side of the tracks. We were predominantly blue-collar people and less education and so forth, but you know what? Jesus showed up. 
at Azusa Street. Jesus showed up in these churches, and, and the miraculous happened, and we were birthed in the fire of revival. And, and then when we got to uh, being pretty good-sized, we decided we had to make big buildings like this to hold all the people, and we had big budgets, and boy, you sure don't want to run people off who are paying the bills, so we watered down the gospel in order to attract more people. And we explain away the supernatural with our logic. And, and frankly, that is the mindset of the world today, and that is the mindset of predominant, predominance of the church today. Um, but we have to understand something. We were all educated, for the most part, in a public school system that, it, <laughs> that exalts the mind, exalts science above everything else. You can explain every circumstance, everything that's going on in this world. And if you can't explain it, you just, just because you don't have enough knowledge yet. But the idea of the supernatural has been pretty much pushed out of the realm of education or anything else. I mean, that is for stupid people. You are flat earthers. You, you know, you can't possibly understand it. And yet, the Bible is a supernatural book about a supernatural God. And if you can understand it all with your human logic, you're in big trouble because God's too much, too big for that. And we've relegated God to our little God that we can grasp a hold of. He, it's beyond reason. That's because it's beyond natural, because it's supernatural. Hmm. You actually believe in a God, and you know, I'm teaching Old Testament, and in the first page, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You mean you believe that? What, are you stupid? Yes. No, I, I, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe the word of God is true, every word of it. It's something beyond my natural senses. See, if we can't you know, handle it with the five senses, then it's, then it's not real. Our minds have been trained to believe a lie. And even though for me, I had seen the supernatural at work in a limited way, my mind was still a battlefield of doubt and fear. Something was wrong. See, I mean, I believed it, I saw it, but I really, there was still that little thing of doubt behind, you know, well, you know, maybe, I don't know. And I hadn't seen it all for myself, not in the way I thought we should, and it's still, you know, in some levels still haven't today. But I got tired of talking and preaching about a gospel of power without seeing it for myself. It's one thing to say, you know, I believe it, but it's another thing to experience it. And I think it's time for the church to experience it. And, and, and I've discovered that I have an assignment. Every one of you, I talked about last week, the, 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 you know, this royal priesthood. Every one of us has an assignment. We have a ministry. It's called the Ministry of Reconciliation. But God never intended for you to do that ministry in your own strength. It's never been what about what I can do for God. It's about what God can do through me. Did you catch that? It's not about what you can do for God. It's about what God can do with you, through you, for him. Okay? And um, I discovered, I wondered, and I thought about it, and I said, Lord... It's got, it, it, there's got to be something more. There's got to be a better way. And so what would happen if I yielded everything, including my mind, to him? Now, that sounds bad to people of logic and reason. Okay? 
But what I discovered was the only way to walk consistently in the power and presence of God so he could flow through me was that I had to renew my mind. Put that slide up for me, would you? And so I want to talk to you this morning about renewing your mind. Can I tell you something? The the mind is the gatekeeper to the supernatural. This is the barrier that is holding us back. Until our mind is transformed to expect the supernatural to operate and flow through us as reality, we will not see it to the degree that we would like to see it. The renewed mind reflects the reality of another world. We live live in this world, but we're not from here. This is not my home. There's another kingdom that I belong to. But in order to operate in that kingdom, the kingdom of God, we have to think differently. See, faith is not hoping, but faith is believing, we discovered over the last few months, right? And expecting. Faith is knowing in your mind, coming from your heart, that something is going to happen because you know that God's going to do it. That's faith. My, my mouth speaks, Pastor Dave is speaking about the law of confession, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the abundance of the heart has to influence the mind so the mouth can speak. But until I get my mind renewed, this is a barrier. My heart says one thing, the mind says something else. It's difficult to say it with any faith. But once the heart is changed and once the mind is renewed, we can speak what God says all day long and believe it and expect it. And that's where God wants to take us. Until we come in agreement with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, until we and, and do away with what the world's limited understanding of God is, and, and when we stop letting reason overtake what we know God's word says, then not until then will we see what God wants us to see. I know that's that was a convoluted sentence, but but see, this is exactly why the church, and you have to understand, why does the church pray? Well, Lord, if it be your will to heal this person, heal them. Because their reason says, my prayers aren't that effective. And yeah, I believe in God, and I know God could, but usually he doesn't. So I don't want to, be, look, I don't want to look bad. So, Lord, if it be your will. We want to help God out. We want to give God a, an out, <laughs> And we, more importantly, want to give ourselves an out. Because there surely can't be anything wrong with me. Right? And so, what happens, you know, if I step out in faith and and declare that you're healed and nothing happens, then who's the liar? Well, I don't want to look bad. Right? It's also because our minds are not fully convinced of what the will of God is. We're still conditioned in our minds to always have that, well, God's here, but my mind says this. And this is the battlefield of the mind, reason against the power of God, the presence of God, against the spirit of God, really. And even after we come to Christ and we have to, you have to, you know, for you to accept Jesus Christ means that you have to overcome reason because it's not natural to believe in a supernatural God. Is it? Your logic and science says there is no God. 
So we believe that, and yet we also know that there's something else inside of us that says, yes, there is. There is a void inside every one of us. Somebody said it's in the shape of Jesus, the cross, or something that knows that there's more. And we search for the spirit. How many people do you know today? Well, I'm spiritual. I'm just not religious. That's the new buzzword. I'm spiritual. I, I don't, you know, it could be Buddha, Confucius, New Age, whatever, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm spiritual. Well, it's because we, inside of us, we know we're spirit. And they don't want to accept the fact that Jesus might be the only answer. And so <laughs> the problem is, is those that we've been conditioned to, like I say, help God out and so forth. And, and, and you know, we don't, we don't want to declare you're healed in Jesus' name. I want to, I want to try to... In the time remaining to me, I'm going to go through a number of scriptures, and you can write them down. You can listen to this later. Uh, we're going to throw them up on the screen fairly quickly, and I'm just going to say them to you. But I want to lay a foundation here so to help you understand something. Okay? I've done this several times in this church before, and I'm going to do it again because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Okay? So Matthew 6.10. What's it say? Your kingdom come. Jesus taught us to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the desire of God? To see his will manifested on this earth. He wants earth to look like heaven. Would we agree with that? Okay. Now, put Romans 12, 2 back up for me, would you, Brandon? So what does it say? We gotta get our minds renewed. This is the problem. How are we going to do that? We have to have our minds renewed. So what, we, what? So what? For what reason? So we can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God wants his will to be done on earth. And our minds have to be renewed so we understand what the will of God is. So the problem for us then is what is the will of God, right? Oh, if I only knew the will of God. Well, John 5, 19 tells us. He says, I tell you the truth. I, the son, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you'll be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. So why? So that all honor, all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Finally, verse 24, I'm sorry, verse 25. Verily, verily, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over into life. Okay, I'm going to skip to verse 25. So go, go, back, up to, go back up to verse to, or, um, uh, 19 and 20. Okay. So he said, I can do nothing of myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. So would you agree this morning that the Son is the exact representation of the Father? Okay. So whatever Jesus did, would you think that that would be the will of God? Everything Jesus did 
was the will of God because he only did what he saw the Father doing. Okay, and we've we've discussed this many times in here, but but it, you know this has to change your thinking. There's 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 a point there. You know, I I left one out, but it says verse thirty says, "I of my own self do nothing." As I hear, I judge. So, so the son is saying, look, I, I, I'm not doing all these miracles. I'm not doing all these things out of my own gifting, my own anointing, my own thought pattern. I'm doing them as a representation of who the father is. The son has the nature of the father. Do you get that? I'm put my teacher cap on. The son has the same nature, the same DNA as the Father. So whatever the Son is doing, he's doing it as a representative of the Father. On this earth, he's showing us what the kingdom of God looks like. Are you with me? John 14, familiar verse, verse 10. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, he tells Philip? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Are you hearing me? I'm the words that I'm speaking. They're not mine. I'm speaking under the authority and the unction and the anointing of the Father because the Spirit of the Father is living inside of me. It's the Father living in me who's doing the works that I do. Believe me when I say I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. This is the Trinity, okay? He's the exact representation of the Father on this earth, in the flesh, God incarnate, okay? At least... If you don't believe my words, believe me, why? Believe my words, why? Because the evidence is, is that supernatural is being manifested in your midst as the dead are raised, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, all these things, the miracles of the bread and the loaves and all the other stuff are being manifested to you. Believe the words because of what you see is evidence to it. That is what the pattern of Acts is about. The word of God is confirmed with signs following. Then he says to us, to his disciples, and by extension to us, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. If that was not possible, he wouldn't have said it. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I, and I tell you, I will do whatever you ask in my name, that wonderful name above every other name. If you ask me in my name, I'll do it. And actually the word do means create. So in other words, if it, needs, if it doesn't exist in the natural and you need it and you ask me for it in faith, I will make it for you. Whoa. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So why? The Father will be glorified, okay? So Jesus did the will of the Father. He is the nature and character of God. He told us to pray his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. The reality of heaven is, catch this, here is what heaven looks like. It's love, because God is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's wisdom. It's health. It's wholeness. It's prosperity. It's freedom. It's holiness, it's deliverance, it's all the promises that are in here are being are manifest in heaven. Are you with me? What does not operate in heaven is hate. What does not operate in heaven is bondage, is disease, 
is addiction, is fear, is depression, is poverty, is sin. Do you understand? There's no sickness in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no addiction in heaven. There's no fear in heaven. So God says, I want you to display heaven on this earth. So what do you think the will of God is? Our job is to show the world, to demonstrate to this world what heaven looks like through the power of God that's living inside of us, the third person of the Trinity. Jesus came into this world to do 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the evil one. And you have an unction. Pastor Dave talked about getting your unction to function. You have an anointing from an anointing from the anointed one to do the very same thing, to destroy the works of the devil, to show the world the kingdom of God in you, through you, and in this earth. To be his ambassadors in this world of another world, the kingdom of God. To walk as children of God, heirs of the promise, and priests and kings in this world. And when we do that, the result will be lives that are changed, darkness will flee, people will be set free, eyes will be opened, ears will be opened, Darkness will go, bodies and minds will be restored to health, to full health, wholeness will take over, relationships will be mended, businesses will flourish and succeed because we put kingdom principles to work in this world. We demonstrate God's will in this earth. But, you knew there was a but, until we start thinking differently you can hear all the sermons in the world, but until your minds are renewed, it won't change a thing. Until we become doers of the word, it won't make any difference. The fight is right there. Those, those six or seven, eight inches who are, you know, some of us got thicker heads than others. Until our minds are renewed to a different reality, until our minds are renewed to the kingdom of God is real, it's natural, and that's, heaven is, is, is real. Okay, the supernatural is natural. Until that happens, nothing changes. The mind is the key. When I discovered that, my ministry changed. America and Western Europe are frankly hard places to promote this. Because we've been so indoctrinated with reason, the age of reason and logic and science and is supreme and, and everything else. And... Uh, but when your reality changes and you expect God to show up and do something, you see, I used to pray for people to be healed, for example, and was frankly surprised when they were. I wanted it to happen, and I believed that it was supposed to happen, but the results that I had seen didn't really leave... A, you know, lend a lot of credence to it, didn't you know, really support it. But when my mind changed, as I prayed for people, I saw more results. And no longer was I surprised when they were healed, I was surprised when they weren't healed. And that's a distinction. Okay, that's an important distinction. When you are no longer surprised when it doesn't happen, but I mean surprised when it does happen, but are surprised when it doesn't happen, then you're operating with a renewed mind. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. 
They that are after the flesh, if you're, we're in this world, but if we're only living in this world, you come to church on Sunday and praise the Lord that you're here. Praise the Lord that you're hearing the word. And I, I know you're saved. But if you leave here this afternoon and, and, and now walk in the flesh, now I'm not saying we have lives to live, we have jobs to do, we have children to raise, we have families to take care of, you know, we have all that stuff, we have shopping, and we've got all the normal, nobody's saying you can't do any of that, nor, nor should we not. I'm not saying that. But it's one thing to be, to be in the, uh, uh, let, let me show you how it works. So somebody who is walking in the spirit is in a store, and, and I'll use my wife as an example. She's, is she in, there she is. And, uh, but she was in uh, Marshalls the other day in, in Washington, D.C. And I think I've, I used this but, illustration, but, but we, were, we were looking for something for her mother in the Marshalls, or she was in there. And, and there was this lady who walks over to her. She's a foreigner, everybody in D.C. is a foreigner. And I think I used this illustration, but I'm going to do it again. It, it bears repeating. But so she says, do you think this pillow would be a good pillow? And Connie says, well, yeah, it looks like a good pillow. It's a good, good manufacturer and so forth and so on. And she says, you know, you have an accent. Where are you from? And the woman says, Serbia. Now, we went to Serbia as a, as a church a number of years ago. I took a team and went to Serbia. And she says, oh, I've been in Serbia. It's a beautiful country, you know, and, and uh, love the people and, and everything. Oh, you've been to Serbia. Yeah, you know, yeah, I've been to Serbia. And I mean, how many people are you going to meet have been to Serbia? I don't even know where Serbia is, you know. So, uh, and so she says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she says, yeah, I was there with a church group. And she, and she begins to talk to her about Jesus. You see, the rest of us are all saying, Lord, give me a divine appointment today. And I can tell you that people in the spirit see divine appointments all around them. And she's able to talk to her about Jesus and give her a tract and, and uh, something else. And, and, and so, but see, go back to that Romans 8, 5 for Miranda. But see, that's, that's walking in the spirit. They that are in the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. You, you, you might well, I want to be bothered with somebody who's from Serbia who's trying to ask you about a pillow. Oh, yeah, that's a good pillow. Walk on your way. But if you're walking in the spirit, you'll say, ooh, here's an opportunity. But they that are after the spirit, to be carnally minded, to be fleshly minded, go back, is death. <laughs> but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Next verse. Because the carnal mind is, is against, is at, is at odds with, with God. We're talking about the mind. Your natural mind is at odds with the kingdom of God. Do you understand that? You have been trained and, and it's been pushed out. The enemy, <laughs> you, were, you were born in sin. Your, your mind does not understand the things of God. They're foolishness to the natural man, it says in 1 Corinthians 2. It's not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. It has to be renewed. Verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. What's our, what's our highest goal? To please God. But you're not in the flesh. If you're born again, you're no longer in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If the spirit of God is living in you. And the thing of it is, everyone who's been born again has the spirit of God. Now there's another level called where the spirit has you and you no longer just own the spirit, he owns you. And that's what he's talking about. If any man doesn't have the spirit of God, you're not, you're not his, okay? So, the mind controlled by the spirit, by the flesh, cannot be renewed. You must be born again. And once that occurs, the spirit not only regenerates your spirit, but also has now function and, and ability to renew the mind. 
And we can only live, by it says, by dying to the flesh. I no longer want to live just for me. I want to live for God. That is a big distinction as well. So I yield, to the, I yield to the Spirit of God in me, and I thank God for the DNA of heaven that resides inside of me. And here's the key to having a renewed mind. So my goal, let me tell you, what is the goal? The goal is to have a renewed mind so that I can function in this world as God fully intended me to function. I can be an overcomer. I, I can live victorious. I don't have to walk around in, in darkness and addiction and everything else. I can have victory in my life. So the goal is to what? Have a renewed mind. Here is how you're going to do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. These are certainly verses we know. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. They're not swords. They're not you know, M1 tanks or whatever. They are, on the contrary, they have divine power, dunamis, supernatural power to destroy stronghold. What's a stronghold in the Old Testament? was a fort or fortress made of big, heavy stone. Okay, So I've got a weapon. <laughs> I've got a fortress killer at my disposal. I've got a stronghold destroyer living inside of me. We demolish, now here it comes, arguments. Arguments. And every pretension. I like the King James better. We, we demolish every vain imagination that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive, here's the thing, every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when fear or doubt or something like that rises, well, that's not gonna happen. We take, we destroy that. That's not the will of God when we perfectly know it is. We destroy that. We take that thought captive and we kill it. We tear down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought so that the, <laughs> for the obedience of Christ. Our thought patterns have to change. You know, I've got a few more minutes, so just... Bear with me, okay? We're going somewhere, and I'm going to get there. So uh, I apologize for what we, I got started late. But anyway, so our thought patterns have to change. Our thoughts, our natural thought, war against the knowledge of God. We war against the word. We've been conditioned to believe that this is false and what we see is true, when in fact it's the opposite. Our five senses rule us, like I said. Our thoughts are in opposition <laughs> to what God says, and they line up with the world, and what he's trying to do is flip it. That's the renewing of your mind. We overcome. Then we have the ability to cast down addictions and temptations and thoughts that would pull us down to overthrow strongholds. See, if the world tells us, well, you know, that's just karma, well, you know, it's understandable you're afraid. Well, you know, depression, you know, here's a, here's a pill for that. Disease, deformity, not much you can do about it. It happens. Stuff happens. And if we give in to those thoughts that are in direct opposition to what the will of God says or the word of God says, then we will be defeated and we will be discouraged and we will be diseased and we'll be deformed. How in the world can I, can I fight that? If we give in to these thoughts, the devil wins. 
If we give in to these thoughts, it will make us impotent, without any power. It will make us unable to manifest the kingdom of God in this world. We cannot live in love. We cannot live in power. We cannot live in victory when we are letting our thoughts that are in opposition to the word of God rule our minds. You cannot. And you know what we do is, well, I know it could happen, but it probably won't happen for me. Well, my family's always had this. You know, my father was an alcoholic, and I guess I am one too. You know, generations, you know, generational curse and all of that. It never works that way for me. I know it might for you, but it never works that way for me. You need to go to Pastor Dave's class on the law of confession. Because you're speaking what you believe. And you need to change that. Because the Bible says you win. You're an overcomer. The Bible says you're healed. The Bible says the curse has been broken. The Bible says you're redeemed. The Bible says you're victorious. The Bible says you're blessed and highly favored by God. And no matter what happened in the past in your family, it's forgotten. It's, over the, it's under the blood, under the bridge, whatever you want to call it. And you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you will go forward and accomplish great and mighty things, says the Lord. Now, whose report do you choose to believe? Well, sounds good, but... See, and if you entertain the negative in your minds, you will wind up with a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mark my words. The mind controlled by the spirit is... I mean, the mind controlled by the flesh is death. You want to die? Keep thinking that way. Keep talking that way. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. He's given us weapons to throw it down. Now, he, these are weapons. He says, well, I've given you weapons. I'm going to talk about what those weapons are in just a second. And, and I've got a, one more quick illustration. If turn to the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 14. Put that up for me, would you? So Jesus has just fed 4,000 people, 4,000 men plus women and children. We don't know how many exactly, but we know for a fact 4,000 with four loaves, okay? So now the disciples get into a boat and they're going across the lake and it says the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. They only had one loaf with them. How many were in the boat? 13. How many did he feed about 15 minutes before that? 4,000. With four loaves. So if you want to break it down, 1,000 people were fed by one loaf. And they got 13 in the boat. And they're concerned because they only got one loaf. It's enough for 1,000 people by, my, by the way I figure it. And he rebuked them. He said, you guys better be careful of what you're thinking. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were, they were complaining they only had one loaf. And he says, your thinking is stinking. You're thinking like the Pharisees. You're thinking like the world. And they said, oh, it's because we don't have any bread. He's upset with us because we only brought one loaf. The guy that just fed 4,000. Are you with me? And when Jesus knew it, he said, why do you reason? See, it's your mind are not renewed. You are reasoning in the flesh. You are thinking, well, we've only got one loaf, and in the natural, that's impossible to feed us. But did you not just see what I did? 
Don't you understand? Is your heart hard? Is your head stupid? Yes. You have eyes and you don't see. And you have ears and you don't hear. What did you just see me do? And you don't remember. When I broke the five loaves of men, so he gives them an illustration. He tells them what he did. When I broke five loaves for 5,000 people, how many baskets did you take? Oh, yeah, we had 12 baskets left over. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. And when the seven among you, we had seven loaves. I'm sorry, I kept saying four loaves. Well, it's seven loaves, so it's less than 1,000. For 4,000, how many baskets did you take up? Seven. And how is it you don't understand? It's because their minds weren't renewed. He warns them. You say the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees is the way you think like the world, the way you think like the religious system. They're concerned they didn't have enough bread. And Jesus chastises them, chastises them because of their thinking. See, the thoughts of the Pharisees. Can I tell you something? One of the important things that need to happen if you're going to have a renewed mind is to stay away from people who don't think like you do. You need some new friends. You need to influence them and quit letting them influence you. It's bad teaching. The Pharisees, the religious system was teaching them that that was impossible. The way they thought, the way they saw things, the way they heard things was not the renewed way. And God would say, look, you know, there's a better way. Jesus, you know, it's important that God teach us this, that our minds get renewed. We need to see things from a different perspective. We need to hear things from a different perspective. We need to understand things in our minds from a different reality. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been sick and God healed you? then why do you doubt he will do it this time? Have you ever had a need, a serious need in your life and God met it? Or serious need in your family and God met it? Then why don't you think that he'll meet it this time? That's what Jesus is saying. Well, because we didn't, we, this time it didn't happen, but over there it did happen. You know, and I don't know what the will of God is. I just showed you the will of God. Jesus is the will of God. So I'm going to give you a strategy to defeat this stinking thinking. Turn to Romans 8.26. The weapons at our disposal. See, I, was get, I, I didn't get there last week. So. Here's, the wep, here's some of the weapons at our dear disposal. The weapon is prayer. The weapon is worship. We're just saying our praise is a weapon, right? Worship. The word of God. But the greatest weapon of all is found here in Romans 8, 26 and 7. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. Now, this is like King James, and I know the NIV says it a little differently. But we don't know how to pray. Did anybody here know how to pray exactly according to the will of God in every situation and circumstance? I don't. But you know who does? The Spirit of God in me. The Spirit of God in you knows exactly what you need before you even ask. But he still says ask. So we don't know how to pray, but so we, we do what? We let the Spirit of God who's living inside of you, we talked about that before. What, don't you know your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit itself makes intercession for you with groanings that can't be uttered. In the Spirit realm, the Holy Spirit prays for you. When, you're, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive a prayer language. You receive the ability. The Holy Spirit prays through you. Your mouth, your tongue, your vocal cords. 
Lord's, but it's the Spirit of God praying. And as he prays in the Spirit, he says the verse, next verse, he prays according. He, he makes intercession for you according to what? The what? The what? So the perfect prayer is a prayer from the Spirit because he always prays according to the will of God. Yeah, but I don't understand it. I'm getting there. The greatest tool that God has ever given you, one of the weapons, the greatest weapon, is the supernatural key to unlock the transformation of your mind and it's called the prayer of the Spirit. How does this prayer Spirit pray? According to the will of God. Quickly throw this up. It says in Jude 20, just put it up real quick. Jude 20, build up your most holy faith by doing what? Pray in the Holy Spirit. How does that build your faith? Because 1 John 15, you know, I've talked about this for 35 years. I know you've heard me say it before, but I'm going to say it again. This is the assurance. This is the confidence we have when we approach God. If we ask anything according to this will, he, his will, he hears us. Hmm. So if I pray according to the will of God, he does what? He hears me. And we know if he hears me that whatever we've asked according to his will, we know we have what? What we ask of him. Are you with me? Why is my faith built? Because I know I'm praying the perfect prayer. And I know that God hears me. And I know that God's going to answer me. But I don't know what, he, what I said. Getting there. Is praying for the sick in the realm of the, the will of God? So if you pray anything according to his will, he hears you. And he'll do what? He'll answer you. Your mind has to believe that. In order for you to operate in this, worship team, you can come on up. In order to operate in this, you need a renewed mind. He's given you tools and weapons to help you do that. And I'm going to give you something practical. If I could get the ushers to come down, and here on the front pew is a number of little cards, and I want you to hand it out to every person in here if you help me with that. So I'm going to give you a practical way to help you. The more you feed your mind the Word of God, the more you pray in the Spirit, the more time you spend in a relationship with God the Father, the more time you spend in His presence will un increase your understanding of just who God is, what He expects you to do, and what His will is for you. Let me, let me, let me make one more statement. His Word is his will. Say it with me. His word is his will. Is that complicated? The word of God is the will of God. Jesus is the will of God, manifested. Spiritual warfare is necessary. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and 5 is talking about spiritual warfare, but where is the war being fought? Between our thick head, in our, between our thick ears, okay, or head between our ears. We spent years 
feeding our minds doubt. We have spent years in the flesh and in the natural when God is supernatural and his word is above our ability to comprehend. The only way we can have a renewed mind is to fight the fight of faith, to feed our spirits, to, to, to feed our minds what the word of God says, what the spirit of God says. We need to pray in the spirit. We need to sing in the spirit. We need to pray in English. We need to sing in English or Spanish, is whatever your language is. We need to feed our mind the Word of God on a continuous basis. Can you all still hear me? I feel like Mike. Okay. These things will overthrow the strongholds of our mind, the strongholds that we've allowed to build up over the years, the strongholds of doubt, the strongholds of fear, the strongholds of unbelief. And when you begin to see the results of that renewed mind, you'll, you'll see it as miracles and other things manifest in your life. You have authority over every work of the enemy, but until you believe that, you can't walk in it. But I don't understand what I prayed. Oral Roberts was a great man of God back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. He built a ministry by doing this, by going out and praying in the Spirit. And then he said, Lord, give me a word. Give me revelation. Help me understand what I just prayed. And God allowed him to build a tremendous ministry, built a big, huge university out there in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Oral Roberts University. Built a city of faith, a big medical center. And his entire ministry was built on the back of praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you will ask the Spirit what I'm praying for, who I'm praying for, give me a word, he will give you the word to set you free, to, to set you on the path, to guide you and lead you. You may not get every word verbatim, but he will give you enough to understand what you're praying about. And it will build your faith because you're praying the perfect prayer. And God is hearing you and God will answer you. And your mind will receive that and become renewed and you'll learn how to operate it on a consistent basis. So what I handed you, these six things I'm going to ask you to do. And I'm going to ask you to do this as an experiment. And you come back and tell me if it works or doesn't work. I want you to do this for five days. Okay, five days. First thing, and I'll try to make it easy, one, two, three, four, five, six. I want you to listen to one worship song. I don't care if you do this in the morning or night. Morning is better if you have time, but night works. So listen to one worship song. I want to recommend a couple of songs to you right now. One of them is called, if you can go, you can go onto YouTube and find it, or you can go to ask Alexa to play it, she'll play it. It's, it's, uh, it's called Spirit Moved by Bethel Music. And the other one that we've been singing here is called We Need a Move. And there's one by Bethel, but the better one is by Tasha uh, Leonard Cobbs. Okay? Now I'm going to put those songs in the app for you so you'll be able to play them. Okay? So listen to one worship song. Two, read two chapters in the book of Acts. Now, some of the chapters are a little longer than others, so you can read chapter one and chapter two, for example, or, or most of chapter two. Maybe take five minutes, but two, read two chapters of the book of Acts. In five days, you'll get through at least 10 chapters. In those 10 chapters, you'll see everything I was talking about. You'll see points one, two, three, the miracles, 
the word, the harvest, okay? And all the way through there. Number three, pray in English or Spanish, whatever your native language is, for three minutes for friends, for others, for needs, so forth. Pray for three minutes. Number four, most critical, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues, pray for four minutes in the Spirit. If you haven't asked the Holy Spirit to baptize you. Number five, ask God when you're done. Just get quiet and ask God for a word. Just that, give me a word, Lord. Give me a revelation. Give me an understanding. And finally, number six, take it to the streets. Ask God for one person today to pray for. One person. And you'll be amazed what will happen. And over five days, if you'll do that for five days, your mind will be changed. You will believe the word. You'll have a relationship with the Father. I'm not, I'm not talking about hours. I'm just talking a few minutes. If you'll, if you'll just do that, try it for a week. See what happens. 1 Corinthians 2 Chapter 16 says, or I mean, verse 16 says right above it, it says the natural mind can't receive the things of the Spirit because they're foolishness to him. But he ends the chapter with this. You have the mind of Christ. You were never intended to just walk in the flesh, walk with a natural mind. You were intended to live with the mind of Christ. That means you know what to do in every circumstance and situation. How? Because the Spirit of God will guide you. If you'll pray in the Spirit... You have weapons that will demolish strongholds, vain imaginations. Every high thought will be taken captive to the obedience of Christ. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Renew your mind. It's not a, it's not a suggestion. It's really a command. Well, every head is bowed, every eye closed. If you're watching by live stream or you're here this morning, and Jesus Christ is not in the first place in your life, and you want to change that, all you got to do is say, Father, forgive me. We did that earlier. And come into my heart and live for me and help me. Is there anyone who needs to do that this morning? Would you lift your hand? I encourage you then tonight to go to one of these care groups and we'll talk more about this. And I apologize on some of these sheets. The number six got cut off, but it's all right. You'll get it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us power and authority over every work of the enemy. You came to this world to destroy the works of the evil one. You came so that we would know what your will is and, and we are called to establish your will on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you that without a renewed mind, we can't do it, but we thank you that we have renewed minds, that we live in the spirit. We are subject to the spirit, not to the flesh. And you're gonna help us do this, Lord. You're going to help us move into the power and, and the things of God in a new and, and powerful way with demonstrations of your word and power so that men will see Jesus in us as the hope of glory. People will see a demonstration of the power of God and their faith will rest in the word of God and the demonstration, Lord. Father, we thank you for helping us have that renewed mind. Oh, Lord, we, are, we, we regret and we push aside stinking thinking. And we take on the, thing, the thoughts of God, the mind of Christ as our own. In Jesus' name, lift your hands. Father, I thank you that these are your people. Their minds are renewed. They're walking in the divine favor of God. They are blessed and highly favored. Their finances are blessed. Their homes are blessed. Their marriages are blessed. Their children are blessed. Oh God, they are your heirs, your children, and heirs to every promise you have made. Lord, thank you, oh God, for blessing them. 
Lord, they have renewed minds. In Jesus' name, all the renewed minds in the room say amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday.